0: me? Father, we want, we need to hear from you this morning. And so we ask God that your Holy Spirit would move among us, ministering your word to us according to our need. And we will be sure to say thanks. Amen. Here we are. Labor Day weekend, the summer with all of her variety and and intensity has passed, and this weekend somehow bookends summer's end as Memorial Day begins it. Most of my life as a nurse educator has been framed by the academic year, so very often on this weekend I ponder about the year ahead. What should I be doing? What does God want me to be doing? What should my goals be? Today I invite you to ponder together with me what does Jesus envision for my life, your life, and yes, for the church. I consider these very basic questions especially important in these days when it appears everything is changing around us in ways that produce in us more questions than answers. I invite you to consider with me what has not changed. Jesus' individual approach to persons, but with a basic pattern. In each of the four Gospels, we have each of the writers referring, recording that Jesus, when calling out his disciples, began with an invitation to the individual to come. Such an invitation communicates value to the person and the idea that I want you with me. I have something I want for you to consider. Just then, Jesus then asks each one to follow me. It is as though Jesus is saying, see what I do, do as I do. I'll show you how. For for I know who I am, even though you don't know who I am. As you observe and learn from me, you'll come to understand who I am. This is best illustrated for us when in Luke 5, 1-11, Luke, a physician, takes the time to write this for all who follow. He describes Jesus' encounter with Simon Peter. Peter and his fishing partners, James and John, we're washing their nets after a very disappointing night of fishing. Together, let's listen to Luke 5 1 to 11.
1: The calling of the first disciples. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. And then he sat down And he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came, and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, "'Go, go away from me, Lord.' I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch all people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him.
0: Here we see that belief comes as these three fishermen come to discover for themselves who Jesus is. And their encounter with Jesus, their astonishment at what Jesus did attracted them to leave all and follow him. Those of us who've had such an encounter with Jesus can give testimony of how he custom-made his presence in person known to each of us. Today, if someone should approach us with such an invitation, as Jesus did, to these disciples, we probably might not literally follow that person, but you and I know we'd at least check them out on the web. And according to what we found there we decide if we would take the next step of exploration. For sure, we not take the next step unless we saw something attractive there. For sure, step by step, as we follow, we do learn who Jesus is. And that that is how belief happens. It's a gift we receive, as we follow. Paul an apostle tells us in Ephesians two eight, it is by faith we are saved, not by works, for it is the gift of God. Jesus in his encounter with a Samaritan woman in Sychar now Nablus himself called it the gift of God. He says, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asks you a drink. You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Please notice, here is another custom-made encounter. She, the Samaritan woman, knew about, that, about the Messiah, but that day she met him. And started the explanation the exploration with the question, could this be the Messiah? And immediately moved on to invite others, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. As we, like this Samaritan woman, come to believe, that is, to accept the gift of faith and know ourselves to be sinners unable to save ourselves, but forgiven in God's sight, we come to understand that Jesus accepts us, sins and all, for it is for those sins that he died. To share the gift you have been given then becomes very natural. And in so doing, Jesus makes you a fisher of people. And as you do, you experience the greatest joy of life, introducing others to Jesus as you fish, teach, nurse, design, serve, research, care for, nurture, parent, sell, heal, disciple. With the task, you develop a new identity and an eternal one, his child, now and for always. And as you do, deep inside you know that you have discovered the will of God for you. Matthew's careful to tell us at the very end of the gospel, of his gospel, when the resurrected Jesus instructs his 11 disciples with the Great Commission, to go and make disciples of all nations with his authority. They worshipped him, as Matthew records, but some doubted. What a comfort to know that Jesus can entrust his work to those who doubt. We don't all receive the gift of faith at the same, right, same rate, or with the same regularity, nor do we nurture our faith equally. Consider if we each today received the same kind of beautifully healthy perennial plant as a gift. Would each plant look the same the following year? For sure not. The variables are many, Here's a story from my life with a recent update. Some of you know that my husband, Bob, and I were medical missionaries in Nazareth, Israel, under the auspices of what is now Mennonite Mission Network and Eastern Mennonite Missions. Over the years that we were there, I struggled a lot with how come... God didn't allow us to work in the states among our own people. Instead, whose language we knew. Why didn't the mission board support locals instead who could do the work so much more effectively since these were their own people? Would the local church someday really grow and develop effective leadership? We and the Mennonite Church of North America, through us, invested 18 years over the span of 30 years, 1965 to 1995. Since then, we've had the opportunity to stay invested through board involvement, recruitment, donor relations, prayer, and the Nazareth Project here in Lancaster that helps to support the work in Nazareth. This year, we've had the joy of seeing where things are now, 53 years after our first investment. The church has grown, is growing. Committed local leadership, Christian leadership is in place, just as we had dreamed and prayed for, not without a lot of struggle. But God, do not waste our time and the church's investment. In fact, beyond our wildest dreams, projects that were all begun with a mustard seed of faith over the generations. The local leaders there are now showing us how to persevere in difficulty, as indeed they have known all their lives as a minority people. All these years later, we get to see fruit of our labors, a gift that many have not known, but who nonetheless serve faithfully. For sure, God does not waste the efforts of his servants. We know experientially that God entrusts you with his work, even though you And we have doubts. So his will for each of us, regardless of where we are in life, is to receive his invitation to come, follow, believe, as in receive the gifts of faith from what you have come to know and see in the life of Jesus. Share your finding or have or having been found and then rest again jesus invites us in his own words come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and i will give you rest take my yoke that is his agenda upon you and learn from me rest comes as we realize his agenda For our lives. As we each find ourselves on this journey, what does Jesus have to say about his vision for the church? Recently, I had a conversation with one who's looking for a new church. She told me that there are two kinds of churches those who are focused on getting through the struggles of life until they get home to heaven with an earth-to-heaven focus, and those who are working to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, a heaven-to-earth focus. She said she had been at a church with an earth-to-heaven focus, but she had now found a church with a heaven-to-earth focus. It reminded me of what Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'd call that a heaven to earth focus. Some years ago I shared board membership with a Palestinian Anglican priest by the name of Monas Farah, who now lives in England. He had recently been asked by a relatively new town there to help them create an Anglican church in this town that had no churches. He said that for far too long, he felt that the Church of Jesus Christ had created a model of church membership to be behave, believe, belong. However, he went on to say that as he worked with this group, it soon became clear that with this group, the order would need to be belong, believe, behave. His story and reflections caused me to ask, to what kind of a church do I belong? Followed by, what would Jesus have to say about this? I came to see that the home church of my youth had operated as the behave, believe, belong model. But what do we think Jesus' model would be? As we looked at his approach to individuals, he invited one by one to belong, to follow, and gave each one the chance to be open enough to experience and receive God's gift of faith, knowing that, faith will shape behavior. Please share your thoughts with me about this, because together we make up this home church of ours. What do we know about Jesus' will for the church? I invite you to think along with me about this, for the landscape in our nation is full of evidence that the church has lost her way. Let's begin by asking who or what Is the church? The Old Testament's answer, which was written prior to the coming of Jesus to earth, would say, followers of Yahweh, God's people who are working, walking in His way. Their gathering place we know from the time of King Solomon on was the temple, the designated place where God dwelled. Isaiah prophesies in Chapter 61, 800 years before Jesus makes his first advent, he, pre, he prophesied the Messiah's ministry for Israel and the world, the one through whom the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. John the Baptist tells us who he know, knew Jesus to be. He does this in response to an argument that had developed between one of his own disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial cleansing. Listen to John 3 27 to 36.
2: John answered. No one can receive anything except what has been given from heaven. You yourselves are my witnesses that I, have, that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I have been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. For this reason, my joy has been fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks about earthly things. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, yet no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted his testimony has certified this, that God is true. He whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for he gives the spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has placed all things in his hands. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life. Whoever disobeys the son will not see life, but must endure God's wrath.
0: Just prior to this scripture, the disciples of John were telling him that the people that John was tes- that the the person that John was testifying about had more people coming to be baptized than were coming to John. So John then gives this testimony of who he knows Jesus to be. Remember, these are cousins. He's identifying himself, John's identifying himself, as the friend of the bridegroom or the bride of Christ. The language, again, used in the vision that Apostle John in Revelation 19 speaks of, where he describes the wedding of the Lamb, meaning Jesus, the one sacrificed for the sins of all and resurrected, to his bride, the church, who here is described as one who made herself ready, to whom was given to wear fine linen, bright and clean. The text actually tells us that the fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. The figure of marriage is said to symbolize the outward public consummation of the inner spiritual union between Christ and the church. The origin of the church is clearly Jesus' Its first mention and appearance of the word church in scripture is spoken by Jesus himself in Matthew 16, 18 and 19, after Peter's public confession of Christ at Caesarea Philippi. Jesus responds to Peter, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, For this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. End of quote it is worth our noting that Jesus chose Peter as the rock foundation for the church, the one who he knew would someday deny him three times, but who repented and was restored. Failure is common to the human experience, but our response to our failure is that which determines outcome. So... Jesus' will for the church is a recognition of the rock foundation of the church in her confession of Christ, the Son of God. Jesus, the builder, is the builder. Jesus has given the church the keys of the kingdom of heaven with all authority to act in his name. Jesus will see that the power of Satan will not overcome the church as long as she confesses Jesus as Son of God. He needs each one of us, his followers, to lift up the name of Jesus, as John the Baptist did, and he will draw all persons to himself. He needs a bride that's faithful, attractive, Transparent, attentive to the matters of the kingdom of heaven, listening for his voice and preparing for his coming soon. So, in summary, first comes our individual custom made encounter with Jesus, acceptance of his invitation to come, follow him, believe on the basis of your exploration of what you learn of Jesus. And as you believe, you receive his spirit and then share as you live your daily lives and live his ways. We will then know his promise for rest for our souls. Together we will then become a heaven-to-earth church, enjoy a, <clears throat> enjoy a community life where we belong, Be attractive to our surrounding neighbors and friends who are not finding such an abundant life now and for always, elsewhere. And what of our future together? Two promises, one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. In the Old Testament from Isaiah 33, 6, He, that is God, will be the sure foundation of your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. And the second promise from the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and in this promise, please notice the word All. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Earlier this year, I was given a definition of grace, which I think must be based on this New Testament promise. Grace is the endless supply of the life of Jesus in me, in you that allows us to walk in victory through seemingly impossible situations. That is a what. This is a one-sentence description of what Jesus envisions for your life, for our life, and for the church. May we let him transform us individually and corporately into fissures of people. He is faithful in taking us on an amazing adventure. He goes with us and has the plan and purpose in mind. May may it be so. For sure, he is worthy of our trust. Amen.